Hi there and welcome to Global Heart Church. Uh, I'm Jared Keane, the senior pastor, and wherever you are tuning in from around the world today, really, really hope and pray that in our planning of this message that it's going to really inspire you for the great journey that you are on and uh, for the great calling that you have in your own life. So enjoy the message and really pray that it's a blessing to you today. And you can take your seats. All right, the title of my message today is From Receiver to Reflector. Yeah, from receiver, oh, how cool is that? From receiver to reflector. Sorry, I'm concerned I'm gonna actually knock that. You know, we've just heard and you know it is almost Christmas time, yeah? And uh, where we celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ. He was the promise of light into this dark world. And uh, God, God's people knew that He was uh, gonna be sent. Well, he knew that, they knew that God was gonna send a great light, but they didn't know when. And so it's kind of like, you know, have you ever been in a blackout? Can we turn these lights, these lights down a little bit? I just can't see everyone. Um, that would be awesome. Have you guys ever been in a blackout where you, all the lights turn off in the house and you're fumbling and, and stumbling around trying to get a lamp or trying to get a torch? Um, what? You're fumbling around and you don't know when the lights are going to come back on, but you know they're going to come, but you just don't know when. And it's kind of like what that was like for the Israelites. They knew that God was going to send a great light. They just didn't know when. And so Isaiah, Isaiah prophesies it long before Jesus was born in Isaiah 9 verse 2. And he says, The people who walk in darkness will see a great light. For those who live in a land of deep darkness, a light will shine. And then in verse 6, it says, For a child is born to us. We just saw this. A son is given to us. The government will rest on his shoulders and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father and Prince of Peace. I love this. Jesus was sent from heaven into this dark world as God's rescue mission, rescue plan for all of his children who were lost in the dark. He was and He still is the light of heaven. And He came to light up the way for all of His kids to be able to find their way back home to, um, to, our, heavenly, to our heavenly dad. And it's hard to see in the dark, yeah? Things just don't look the same in the dark. It's amazing. I'll be driving along a street that I've driven along hundreds of times in the day. But if I drive along that same street or that same route um, at night, it's incredible how quickly I can get disoriented or I can miss the turn off or I can get lost, yeah? The other day um, we, were at, we were playing a game with a group of friends where you, you know that game where you get blindfolded and you hang a, a bottle from the ceiling fan? <laughs> And you like, you turn the ceiling fan. Who's played this game? Are you serious? I know who's played this game. Right, you've got to play this game. This is fun. So you literally hang a bottle from a ceiling fan and then you get blindfolded and you've got to like duck and weave. You would have seen it, hey? Maybe. You duck and weave and it's a really simple, easy game if you can see. But when you can't see, it's impossible. And so it's really funny to watch everyone like ducking and weaving and you have no idea when this bottle is going to hit you and then it smacks you in the face. And it's even more impossible when you realise that your friends have actually been pegging the bottle at your face while you've been fly blindfolded without even realising. As we're preparing for Christmas, I want to encourage us all to remember the real reason for the season, Yeah. We're celebrating the light of the world, Jesus coming into the darkness to rescue His people. And people didn't just need rescuing 2,000 years ago when He was born. 
You don't have to look at the news for too long to actually realise that our world is still in darkness, if, if not more now than, than before. You know, we've got a world that's hurting and that's broken and that's lost. You know, you'd have to, you don't have to look too hard when you see um, how many people are struggling with addictions or family breakups or mental health struggles or, you know, anxiety, depression. So much is going on, the crime rates at the moment. You don't have to look far to realise, okay, we've got a world that's lost. And it's interesting, the last couple of weeks, God has just been reminding me, just because often I can get caught up with Christmas and then I go get Christmas done and then I realise that I actually haven't spent much time bringing people to Christmas. And so I've just tried to be a little bit more intentional now and um, I've just been reminding or reminded of what it was like to live in the dark. I've been reminded, you know, 18 years I lived without Jesus and it was messy and it was hard and it was confusing. And I've been reminded um, what it was like not to know that I had a dad in heaven who loved me, who had a plan for me. And I'm, I've been remembering what it was like not to know that he had peace and hope and grace and forgiveness if I just surrendered to him. And I've also been remembering that beautiful moment when I actually came to the point of opening my heart to him. And he just revealed, you know, how broken I actually was. He showed me how much I really needed him. But at the same time, he just poured into my life grace and peace and joy. You know, we've got to remember what it was like to live in the dark, yeah? We've got to remember our own salvation story and let our own salvation story be something that stirs us to then get passionate about other people experiencing the same life, the same light, the same hope that we've experienced in Jesus. You know, the world has a lot of fake solution, a lot of um, empty promises, but the only true solution, the only true light that's on offer is in Jesus. John 9, 5 says, While I'm in the world, I am the light of the world. And John 12, 46 says, I have come as a light in this dark world. Sorry. Thank you. I have come as a light to shine in this dark world. Thanks, Pastor Mark. So that all who put their trust in me will no longer remain in the dark. I love that at the end of Jesus' life, he died on a cross. That was part of the plan. That was part of God's mission. Yeah, his rescue mission. And then he rose again. And then he, when he went up into heaven, he promised that he would send down a helper, the Holy Spirit, who would live in us. He's the Spirit of God living in us. And John 14 verse 16 says, And I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the Spirit of truth, who's the Holy Spirit. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you will know him for he lives with you and he will be in you. And so the light was Jesus, but now through the Holy Spirit, the light lives in us. That one big light has become many lights in us. And through believing Jesus, we receive the light, but through the Holy Spirit, we become reflectors of the light. Through Jesus, we receive the light so that we can start stepping out of the dark in our own life. But through the Holy Spirit, we start participating in spreading the light by reflecting it so that other people around us can start stepping out of the dark as well. You know, there's a story in the Bible um, about a man called Saul. 
And Saul was lost in darkness. He had no idea he was lost. He had no idea that he was doing the wrong things. Um, but he was absolutely convinced that his purpose was to persecute and even execute any, any person that actually proclaimed and declared that Jesus was truth. And at one point, he's walking along the road and, and Jesus rocks up. And in his shining light, he actually reveals the truth to him. And actually his life completely changes from that point. So I'd love to read from that, from Acts 9, verse 1. All right, meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the disciples of the Lord. He approached the high priest and requested letters to the synagogues in Damascus, so that if he found any men or women belonging to the way, which is Jesus, he could bring them as prisoners to Jerusalem. As Saul drew near to Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I am Jesus who you are persecuting, he replied. Now get up and go into the city and you'll be told what you must do. The men travelling with Saul stood there speechless. They heard the voice, but they didn't see anything. Saul got up from the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he could not see a thing. So they led him by hand into Damascus. For three days he was outside, and he did not eat or drink anything. In Damascus there was a disciple called Ananias. The Lord spoke to him in a vision. Ananias, here I am, Lord, he answered. Get up, the Lord told him. Go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul. For he is praying and in a vision he has seen a man named Ananias come and place his hands on him to restore his sight. But Ananias answered, Lord, many people have told me about this man and, and all the harm that he's done to your saints in Jerusalem. And now he's here with, author with the authority from the chief priest to arrest all who call on your name. Go, said the Lord, this man is my chosen instrument to carry my name before the Gentiles and their kings and before the people of Israel. I will show him how much he must, must suffer for my name. So Ananias went to the house and when he arrived, he placed his hands on Saul. Brother Saul, he said, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. At that instant, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes and his sight was restored. He got up and was baptised and after taking some food, he regained his strength. And he spent several days with the disciples in Damascus. Saul promptly began to proclaim Jesus in the synagogues. He promptly began to proclaim Jesus in the synagogues, declaring that he is the son of God. All who heard him were astounded and asked, isn't this the same man who wreaked havoc in Jerusalem on all, the, on all those who call on his name, on this name? And hasn't he come here to take them as prisoners to the chief priests? But Saul was empowered all the more and he confounded the Jews living in Damascus by proving that Jesus is the Christ. And then later in Acts 26, when Paul is, is recounting this story again, Jesus, he said that Jesus uh, said to him, I am sending you to open their eyes so that they may turn from darkness to the light and from the power of Satan of, to God and that they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. I love this. Like Saul, we are all instruments chosen by God to carry His name to the people around us so that they may turn from dark to light. God wants all of us to be reflectors, not just receivers. And I've just got four points tonight that I just want um, to encourage us with uh, from Saul's story, but also from other parts of the Bible, other scriptures, which is good. So the first point tonight that I want to encourage you with is follow the light. 
John 8, 12 says, Then Jesus spoke again to them, saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me will never walk in the dark, but will have the light of life. If we follow Jesus, we won't walk in darkness anymore. We'll walk in the light. And I'm so challenged by Saul's response, like his immediate obedience, like his immediate, like he he just followed straight away. He had every excuse under the sun that he could have used to kind of, to not be so immediate in his like obedience. He could have said, you know what, um, Jesus, I've lived my whole life trying to protect people from you and now you're telling me to bring people to you? Hang on a second. I just need a moment to process this change. Like this is a big pivot. Pivot, pivot. Um, I've got all the high priests, another excuse. I've got all the high priests backing me. I've got signed papers here to persecute the, the Christians. Like it, they're going to slam me. I'm going to have my head on the chopping block if, if I go ahead with this. Or you know what, you're asking me to go and see one of your disciples. Have you seen what I've been doing to your disciples? If the high priests don't kill me, then the disciples surely will. Or you know what, another excuse could have been, you know what, you've just blinded me for three days. I've had no food, no eat. I've been dragged along this road by these people. Can you just give me a moment? I'm traumatised and I need to recover. But he doesn't do any of that. Instead, he immediately obeys. He immediately follows. And so he goes to see Ananias. He gets baptised. He gets filled with the Holy Spirit. He spent some time with the disciples. And then he was off and racing. You know, with little care for what, what would happen to him, little care for his safety, for his reputation. Um, he was committed to the pursuit to follow the light. But not just for a moment, not just while it was exciting and new and adventurous, but he committed for the rest of his life fully obedient to do what the Holy Spirit asked him to do and follow it like right to the T. Paul literally spent his life in and out of prison, being beaten, being persecuted, being hunted down because of his commitment to light up the darkness and share Jesus. Yet he continues to stay focused on one thing, not his own comfort, not his own desires, not his own safety, but on taking every opportunity to do what he could do to convince any audience that he had, whether it was a chief priest, a king, or someone in a prison cell with him, to try and convince them to follow Jesus. Amen. I want to encourage you to follow Jesus. The Bible says if we follow Jesus, we step out of the dark and we step into the light. But also following Jesus means obeying him. You know, not just when we're at church on Sunday or Friday night, but actually during the week, are we actually obeying his prompting? Are we actually leaning in and and being open and stopping and being interruptible to go, God, what are you, who have you got around me that you're leading me to, that I'm I'm here to actually open open the, the, or turn the light on for them when it's comfortable, when it's not, and when you feel like it, when you don't. Second point is absorb the light. Paul followed Jesus. He was obedient. And then he was filled with the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is God's presence in us. And when we come to Jesus, our hearts are like a dry, stiff sponge. Have you seen like a sponge that hasn't been wet for a long time? And it's like really dry and like, that's what our hearts can be like when we, anyway. But we need to absorb his presence, absorb his word. And the Bible says, meditate on it day and night, soak it up so that our dry, stiff heart can become soaked full of his goodness. 
Ephesians 3.16, Paul says, I pray that out of His glorious riches that He may strengthen you with the power, with power through His Spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide, how long, how high, how deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. God wants to live in your hearts, fill you with His presence, strengthen you, establish you in His love. He wants to fill your hearts with joy, with peace, with grace, with mercy, with forgiveness, with wisdom. And when we surrender the deepest parts of our hearts, the deepest hurts, you know, we, we allow our heart to, to absorb His presence, absorb His goodness. And it's incredible how restoration and healing can come to those areas when we actually allow Him and, and surrender to Him. When we absorb God's presence and His Word, all of His goodness fills our hearts and then flows out of us without us even trying to shine. The third point is reflect the light. Emphasis on reflect. You know, the sun, uh, the sun shines on the moon and the moon actually doesn't have any light itself. It just reflects the light of the sun. We aren't responsible for creating our own life, our own light or life. When we follow the light and absorb the light, we can reflect His light. You know, God wants us to move from just receiving the light to reflecting. 2 Corinthians 4 verse 6 says, For God who said, let light shine out of the darkness, made His light shine out of our hearts. He made His light shine out of our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. Matthew, 4 verse, uh, Matthew 5 verse 14, this is Jesus talking to us. You are the light of the world. We are the light of the world. Like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. I always, to, I always used to read that verse where it says, you know, no one puts a lamp under a basket. I'm like, that is so weird. Like, who would do that anyway? But then I realised that actually I do that all the time. I do it all the time. Jesus has put um, the light of the world in us with the Holy Spirit so that we can partner with Him to reflect and bring the light out into the darkness of the world. But I often, and we often, I, I'm gathering, have put that light under a basket. You know, whether we've been so distracted by life, we've put our light um, under a basket that only comes off at church and then covered back up again as we get through, you know, the motion and the chores of our week. Or we've tried in the past to let our light shine. And we've tried to share about Jesus with our friends or with people around us. We've tried and either they've knocked us back, they've laughed at us, they've rejected. So we've, or it's maybe just not worked. You know, we've tried to invite people to church. We've tried to tell people about Jesus and it just hasn't worked. So we can put the basket back on our light. I want to show you a quick video, um, which made me giggle a little bit, but it's kind of like what can happen to us. It's a girl who is rescuing a or trying to rescue a squirrel. You might have seen it, but it's, it's pretty cool. If we can play that, that'd be awesome. Don't touch him. I need gloves. Don't touch him. I have to help him. Give me something to get him out Get a board. Yeah, put the chair. 
by the darkness and we've settled on the thought that our light is so little it can't do anything to impact the darkness. I want to encourage us all tonight to take the basket off your light. No matter how small or insignificant we think our light is, God can use it to bring people to Him. No matter how big the darkness feels, God can still use our light to make a difference in lighting up that darkness. God has put people around every one of us that need to see the light in us so they can step uh, closer to the light of the world. You know, it's funny how um, we often play a game in our family, sardines. Has anyone played sardines before? Come on, you guys have got to come over for a games night. So you turn off all the lights and it's hide and seek in the pitch black. So one person will go and hide and everyone else has to go and find those people and you have to hide in with that person. You don't say, found you. You actually one by one hide in with that person and then the last person that finds you like, is the loser. Um, but it's amazing. You turn off all the lights, you close all the blinds so that it's absolutely pitch black and it looks pitch black. And then you realise that the tiny little light on the oven or the numbers on the microwave or the little red dot on the heater or the little red dot on the TV, as tiny as they are, actually light up the whole room and you actually can see where people are hiding. Doesn't matter how small we think our light is, it makes a difference. John 1 verse 5 says, The light shone in the dark and the dark could not overcome it. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. Steve Stewart said, When light hits the dark, something always changes, but it's never the light. It's never the light. When light hits the dark, something always changes, but it's never the light. And I pray that God fills you with boldness and courage to, like Paul, take every opportunity to unashamedly shine the light that God has put inside of you so that you can be a part of reflecting and then rescuing people to His light out of the darkness. I love that scripture in Matthew 5 where it talks about, you know, um, you know you're a light, don't hide it. You're like a light on the, what, did it, what was it? Light on a hill like a town on the top of the hill. You are, a li- you are the light of the world. We are um, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. And when I read that scripture, it makes me think of, um, I get this image in my head of like this dark countryside in the night and little hills. And on those hills, the, the towns that are filled with Jesus lit up, right? And it just makes me think of those, lo- those wanderers, you know, traveling who are lost in the dark that may be walking past that town and being able to use the light from that town to find their way home. God asks us all not to just be receivers of the light, but to reflect His light. Not just to receive His love, but to share His love. You know, we're all meant to be like that town shining on a hill, in the middle of the darkness, shining whatever light we can, whatever light we have. Then be ready to help any travellers drawn in by that light and help direct them to Jesus. It's like, you know, those mosquito traps, you know, the blue mosquito traps and they like draw in mosquitoes and then zap. 
It's like that, but not that. Like draw them in and then lead them to Jesus. Wherever God has positioned you, shine. In your workplace, school, gym, cafe, at your kids' swimming lessons, at your local playground or cafe. Know that God may have put people there that He is needing you to be like a light so that they can see the light and be saved by it. You know, our son Ethan has been um, learning about Egyptian uh, things. I don't know what. Egyptian pyramids and pharaohs. And he taught me something the other day that when, um, when a pharaoh dies, they are buried in a tomb underneath the pyramid. And they're buried with all of their treasure in this tomb. And to make sure that people don't come in and raid the tomb of all their treasure, they put mazes, all, like dark mazes, all around the tomb. And the way that the, the people get out of the tomb when they've buried them is that they put mirrors on each corner of the maze on the way out to ref- that reflect the light from the sun. So it creates this light tunnel so that they can find their way out. It's cool, hey? You're a mirror who God wants to position to reflect His light, to help people find their way out of the dark. You're a town that God wants to light up to help those lost travellers. But what would happen if one person, in that mirror t- uh, maze, what happens when one mirror isn't positioned or when one, one mirror is covered? We all need to be a part of this. This is not just a one-man jobby. This is God setting all of, us up, all of us up to do whatever we can. We need many hills, many mirrors reflecting and shining God's light so that more people can see and find their way back to Him. You know, before I gave my heart to Jesus, there were so many, I was 18, but there were so many things and people that God put in my path, like little mirrors reflecting Him along the way that brought me to that moment when I was 18 to open my heart to Him. From the, um, the, the camp leaders in a primary school Christian camp that my parents sent me to once, who were really kind and just really lovely. Then in high school, there was a group of girls that um, were just really kind and unusually peace-filled and confident that I had this, I was jealous of them. I, I, there was just something about them that I was jealous. And then there was my sister's uh, husband who just treated him, treated her with such respect and such kindness. And it made me want to marry a Christian man even before I realised I wanted to be Christian myself. And then it was my sister's friends who could have such a fun time without any alcohol. That was so new to me. They were all touch points that led me to a place of finally being able to open my heart to Jesus when I was a messed up 18 year old girl. I want to encourage you, don't underestimate the very small opportunities you may have to shine God's light. We have no clue what God is setting up around His kids to rescue them. And we may just be that link in the chain that helps them get there. But every link is important, yeah? I've got a couple of really quick practical tips. So I'm going to go through this really quickly. If you want to take a photo of them, just to give you a little bit of how, a little a practical tip on how you can be a light and reflect God's love. First, ask God to help you see who He's put around you. Pray for opportunities, put your phone down. I was at Macca's this morning, having a little moment, trying to go through my Word and the Holy Spirit was like, put your phone down. I put my phone down. There was a lady on the table next to me who's been through a breakup, going through a challenging time, got chatting with her, was able to invite her with, got her number, was able to start inviting her to some things that we're doing in church. Put your phone down. Be interruptible. The next point is, the next tip is be unusually kind. Wherever you go, whatever you're doing, look out and smile. Go out of your way to see people's needs and help fill them. Whether it's, you know, helping someone who's struggling with a trolley, 
help them. Whether it's giving a coffee to someone, you know, or bringing a coffee to someone at work. Or start chatting to those people that you see every day on the bus or on the train or wherever you see people daily or weekly. The third thing is, think of how you can make people want what you have in Jesus. Think about your God stories. Think about what God's done in your life and get ready to share them. What what did you struggle with before Jesus that you don't struggle with now? Think about that and be ready to share. And then the fourth tip is aim to find out about their life. Ask questions to gain understanding about their life so you can empathise with them. Share what Jesus has done in you to help you overcome similar challenges and then invite them to something that's on offer here. Paul did this so beautifully. Paul did this. He was, an, he was an empathetic evangelist. He was an understanding evangelist. He sought to understand the people around him so that he could then offer something that would be of help. You have the light of the world in you, the hope of the world in you. And you don't know who is around you right now who desperately needs you to take the basket off your light so that they can be rescued from the darkness that they're in. And I wanna encourage you coming up to Christmas, Jesus was born to be the light of the world. What better way to honour Him, to honour His birth, to honour His death, than to choose to partner with Him in not just receiving the light and receiving all the blessings and the peace and the goodness, but choosing to go, God, okay, I'm gonna follow You. I'm gonna absorb You, be filled with You, be overflowing in You, but then I'm gonna choose to be reflecting You. I'm gonna choose to be wherever You've positioned me, I'm gonna reflect your love. I'm gonna look for the people that are hurting, look for the people that are lost in the dark. And I'm gonna choose to do whatever I can to win them for you, to reflect your love, to reflect your grace. Thank you so much for joining us online today. Really great to have you with us. And special thanks to those also who give online. Your generosity is making the way for others to hear the message of Jesus, both here in Australia and around the world. If you enjoyed today's message, I'd love to encourage you to share this message with a friend, a workmate, a family member. And let's believe together that it will powerfully impact their life for good in Jesus' name. If you're unable to be with us at one of our church locations, uh, both here in Australia and around the world, please join us online every Sunday for Global Heart at Home on YouTube. God bless and have a great week.